How's it going, everybody? And welcome back to the Elbows Up podcast. In episode 13, we're going to be building our own teams from the 2015 NHL draft. So what we're going to do is going to be a, a snake draft, and we're going to each take turns uh, selecting players that were uh, drafted into the 2015 NHL draft, which will be uh, three forwards, two defensemen, and one goalie. But before we get into that or any NHL news, I'm here with my co-host, Kean Kilback. How's it going, buddy? I'm doing good. I just had a pretty chill week this week. It, it kind of sucked losing an hour. There was a time change this past week, you know, where we live. So, but yeah, not much happened this week. What about you? Not too much. I'm really excited for this episode. We're going to start with the 2015 draft. Like we already said, this is a loaded draft, but uh, I'm excited to do this uh, even more in the future. I feel like this is something that we can do a lot more. Uh, uh, maybe the 2003 draft and maybe even some older drafts uh, from the 90s or something like that. So uh, I, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun to do like 2003 because that's one of the best drafts ever. And starting with 2015 too, I mean, this could be this could give 2003 a run for their money, this draft. So you guys will see later on who we pick. Yeah, definitely. But uh, before we get into that, we got some NHL news for you guys. Uh, first, uh, Andre Sveshnikov from the Carolina Hurricanes will, uh, will miss the remainder of the season, and he'll also be out for the playoffs. This is a huge loss for the Hurricanes. Uh, they're obviously looking to make a huge playoff run, and they're first in the Metropolitan right now, and uh, they're losing their best player. So this is a huge loss. Uh, for the Canes, and uh, hopefully he can make a speedy recovery and be back for next year. But as far as this year, it, it's hard to think that the Canes are going to do half of what they can do uh, without Sveshchikov, hey? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I'd say he's probably their best winger. And, you know, he's, he's a young guy. He's a huge part of that team. And oh, for the whole season, including playoffs, with a torn ACL, I believe, right? So, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's a major injury. He's going to need surgery, obviously. So, yeah, huge loss for Carolina. You know, I, I think there's still going to be a team to look out for in the playoffs, but this hurts their chances a lot. Like, I mean, the Penguins just lost to the Rangers, which pretty much solidified that they're not going to catch them in the in the for third place in the Metro. So it's pretty much like a guarantee that the Hurricanes are going to be playing probably the Penguins if they finish if the Penguins finish first in that wild card, as which they are right now. So. And I really don't think the Penguins have a chance in that series. So, like, I still think the Hurricanes are a great team. But losing Sveshnikov probably hurts their chances to win the Cup a lot. Definitely. I, I didn't think that the, uh, the Canes were going to win the Cup this year at all. But I could definitely see them get into the Conference Finals. And maybe if they got lucky, uh, they could go to the Stanley Cup Final. But especially with Sveshnikov out, uh, I think you just got to look past this year and hope that this isn't going to happen again. Yeah, this is his first major injury, so you know we'll see how it affects him when he comes back, how he returns. He's never been out long term, so yeah, we'll see. Meanwhile, uh, Mark Andre Fleury and uh, Jordan Bennington uh, almost got into a goalie fight. Uh, Bennington got suspended two games. This is just so brutal. Like when watching this, it's like, like what are we doing? Like either drop the gloves or not. So uh, these these linesmen, these refs really broke it up, which is just a brutal play by them. I'm not sure what they're doing. They're just making it about themselves like they always do. So, uh, yeah, they, the refs got to figure it out, and they, and they should have let him go. But as far as Bennington, uh, he's just done some crazy stuff throughout his career. So uh, I, I know that you also think he's, he's kind of a nutcase. So what do you think about this guy? Bennington, he's just a menace to society, really. Like, he, he, I mean, he's a menace to every other team in the league. He's yeah. hes just a clown, honestly. Like, I, I don't know. He, he's like the Marchand of goalies, but even worse. Like, at least Marchand's kind of cooled it a bit the last few years. 
he's not doing nearly as much. I think the last thing he did was against the Penguins when he like punched Jari there. But Bennington, it seems like two or three of these incident incidents every single year. Like he, seriously, he, yeah. he also did something against the Penguins. He, he like clotheslined Zucker behind the net, and then Zucker came back and scored on him, which was really funny. And then Bennington got kicked out of the game. And all the Penguins fans were cheering, and then now this like. But I mean, as far as like the linesman not letting him go, it's ridiculous. Like Flurry was actually mic'd up. I don't know if you've seen the video. Yeah, Fleury I was, did. Yeah, he he was mic'd up for the fight, and you could hear him talking to the linesman, just saying, "Like, come on, man! Like, let's just do it for the fans. Like, do yeah, it for the crowd. Yeah, let us go. Get the, yeah, yeah it, it'll get the, it'll get the crowd going. Let us go. Come on. Yeah, yeah. It, I don't know. It, it, I I don't know. I just think the linesman often ruin the fun. Yeah, and for everyone that hasn't seen uh, what happened like uh, prior to uh, leading up to the fight, basically what happened was uh, Ryan Hartman from the Minnesota Wild, he scored a goal, and it wasn't dirty or chippy at all. But as he was kind of going by and celebrating, um, he, he kind of clipped uh, Bennington's pad a little bit there. So uh, I think that's what got Bennington's reaction. And it's just so eyewash for Bennington to be doing this his whole career. Like, I, I think that's the only way you can, you can put it. Uh, like, first this, like... He just throwing temper tantrums after he gets scored on, and then uh, I think last year he had that one like meltdown against the San Jose Sharks, and he was throwing his stick or he was hitting the stick on the glass or something. Like he's just been doing such like out of pocket stuff that's like you just gotta dial it in, man. Like figure it out. Yeah, like I don't remember what team it was against, but yeah, a couple years ago he like fake two handed a guy. Like he literally started to like swing his stick, raided right his face, and then he stopped right before it. Like so, just stuff like this. Like it, it's ridiculous. He deserves a suspension. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to say. I think he's just. It's honestly embarrassing, in my opinion. Like he just needs to cool it. Like it's. It, it, I don't know. It's it's pretty embarrassing. Yeah, and like especially for a goalie, like you you hear of other guys like Nathan McKinnon's one that comes to mind that like he's a hothead, but like it almost like it doesn't hurt his game because like he just like he works even harder. Like he gets more competitive. But with a goalie, you need a someone who has like calm mind and has like like positive thoughts and stuff like that when they're when they're like in the game when this guy just seems like a mental midget and it's like like when he, he when he does that like who's gonna say that the next three shots also won't go in you know like how, how do you trust a guy back there i completely agree and you mentioned mckinnon but I, I feel like most of what he does it's not nearly as bad and it's usually coming from a good place with him like for sure yeah and, he just wants to win Exactly, but with Bennington, it almost feels selfish to me at this point. He does it so often, and it's pretty much always so unnecessary, and it just draws so much unnecessary attention. He's just throwing these temper tantrums, and it's just, I don't know, it's embarrassing. Like I said earlier, I don't know what I would do if I were the Blues, but I don't like they got to get him to stop this. Yeah, for sure. Like, if I was a Blues fan, like I'd want him traded, like, like he's he's nothing special anymore. He had that great run in in 2019 when they won the cup, but those years are gone, and uh, he's definitely not the player that he once was. So uh, I would say just get rid of him, honestly. If anyone wants him still, yeah, it's really too bad the linesman didn't let him go because I think every fan base in the league, you know, other than St. Louis, would have liked to see Flurry <laughs> pound Bennington. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But uh, anyways, uh, moving on to one of. Uh, Flurry's former teammates, uh, Sidney Crosby, has recorded his 18th straight point per game uh, season, which is the second most in NHL history. Uh, he's only behind Wayne Gretzky, who has 19. Uh, so this is just an unbelievable accomplishment for this guy. Uh, definitely not uh, unexpected, I-, I guess you could say. Um, but 
yeah, just looking at the stat, uh, not to take away from him being second place, but you got to think that uh, he's going to catch first place one day, right? Yeah, I mean, Gretzky's got 19, right? And Sid's Sid's now got 18, so he needs two more to beat that, one more to tie it. And I mean, mean, he's 35. He hasn't cooled off yet. I don't know if he will, right? Like, he might might just be a point brigade until he decides to retire. And and knowing Sid, like, if anybody can do it, it, it's him. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see him beat that record. And if he does beat that record, like, I don't see how he's not a top five player of all time. Like at that point, and and even now, I mean, everything he's won, he's pretty much captained every team that that has won, whether it be Stanley Cups or you know Olympic gold medals or World Championship gold medals. I mean, even World Junior gold medals. He wasn't the captain then because he was sixteen, but I mean, yeah. he's he's won pretty much everything you can win. He's won all the individual awards as well. He's it's almost too bad that he's. I think overhated. I mean, I don't think he's underrated, obviously, but he just has gotten so much hate over his career and just a lot of people who haven't gotten over some of the stuff that he did like in his rookie year when he was 18 and he had so much pressure coming to the league and, you know, a lot of times he would complain to the refs and stuff. Yeah, I think his rookie year is kind of still haunting him and unfortunately might for the rest of his career. I think he had... He had over 100 points and he had over 100 penalty minutes as a rookie. I think, and I think he's still the only uh, rookie to ever do that. So uh, there was definitely a lot of 10 minute misconducts in that. But uh, uh, yeah, that's, I, I feel like that's not something you got to, you know, like he, he doesn't have to address that in, in his Hall of Fame speech, you know? Yeah. I mean, I have a lot to say about this actually, like just as far as fans holding his, you know, whining against him. You know, obviously everybody can have their own opinion, but I seen a video the other day like an old video where Crosby got high sticked twice this was like in his rookie year against the Flyers he got high sticked twice and he lost two teeth and none of the penalties were called and 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 Crosby retaliated a bit and then he got an unsportsmanlike penalty so he got high sticked twice lost two teeth and he got the only penalty and I, I don't know I just think who wouldn't complain in that situation especially when you're 18 years old and you've been you're like basically got the pressure of a franchise on your shoulders and you've been called like the next one since you're 12. I just think there's so much pressure. I, I, I don't, I don't know how you can hold that against him, especially since he's been nothing but one of the classiest players ever since. Yeah, I completely agree. And just thinking about other guys who are also like that, a lot of people call them the Sedin sisters, but I, I think they also fall into that category of, uh, they just took so much crap out there that like, uh, they had to, you know, they they kind of had to complain a little bit because they were getting cheap shots every single shift, whether it was like cross checks or butt ends or pretty much anything. But like maybe the occasional slew foot against the Bruins in, in those finals, like they they were taking a lot of beatings out there, and a lot of the time they weren't playing with somebody on their line that could protect them. They were playing with skill guys like Burroughs comes to mind, or like Henrik Samuelsson comes to mind as well. Like uh, those guys weren't there to. Uh, to protect them at all they were there to you know compliment them on the offensive side of the game so uh yeah they took a lot of stuff and and i feel like it's not fair to kind of call them call them that or anything I'm, I'm not trying to defend them but i'm just saying that like uh i understand why they're why they complain yeah i don't think you can blame them i mean you see nowadays all the oilers fans who are always complaining about how mcdavid never gets never draws any penalties which i mean he still draws a lot of penalties but he should draw more because of you know how how much abuse he gets out there. But I mean, you see how much the Oilers fans complain about that, and then you look back to 
like if you go watch games back from the late 2000s it's not even close like there's like like every roster back then had like two or three enforcers still on uh, like every team they just had like three or four grinders and a couple of enforcers like and the superstars back then just took way more abuse than they do nowadays so that's another thing you have to remember yeah for sure like just thinking about like a guy like Gretzky, it's like he had Dave Semenko on his line for how many years, right? That's like having McDavid and Revo on the same line. Like th- that would never happen nowadays because yeah. McDavid needs to play with other skilled players, right? So it's kind of just interesting to see where the game's gone. Personally, I, I think I like it more. I, I want to see the best players uh, playing at their best. And uh, a guy like Leon Dreisaitl is going to help McDavid more than Semenko helped Gretzky, you know? So um yeah, I think I like this this way a lot more. But moving on to more news about Connor McDavid. Uh, he was the first player to reach 130 points since Yermer Yager in 1996. Uh, we're, we still got about 14 games left this season. Uh, this guy's already at 130. I don't think there's any reason why he can't reach 150. I hope that he, he stays on the pace that he's, he's currently at because, uh, yeah, that'd just be awesome. And uh, he's scoring at a rapid pace that we haven't seen uh, in, in his career, he already broke his career high like two weeks ago. Uh, so I, I, ho- I hope this guy scores 60 this year. Yeah, and I, I think he will. I mean, he's already up to 56, isn't he? Like, it's it's crazy. Like, I, I think you're, you're spot on with your prediction of six, uh, 60 goals and lead the league in goals, assists, and hit 150 points. I think you're going to check all the boxes, all those predictions correct. I mean... He's really had a historic year. I mean, like like you said, first player to hit 130 points in over 20 years, right? So 25 years over, like I think 26, right? So, I mean, that's just crazy. We we talk about him every episode, so like there's, there's nothing that hasn't been said. It just seems like he's breaking a new record or hitting a new milestone every every couple of weeks. Yes, uh, he's got he's scored again tonight. So he's got 57 goals, and uh, the Oilers have played 69 games. So he's got 13 more games to score three goals. So I'm pretty confident in McJesus to do that. So uh, yeah, there, there's no reason why he, he can't get 150 as well. But um, moving on to our last bit of NHL news for uh, this episode, uh, there's been a lot of rumors and tweets circling the hockey world this week uh, about fighting in the QMJHL, uh, possibly. Uh, possibly being taken out of the game. Um, there was a tweet from Tony Ferrari that said, uh, quote, the QMJHL is planning to have a rule in place that will ban fighting, making it black and white that is no longer a part of our game. When reading this quote, you got to think, if this does happen in the QMJHL, it happens in the rest of the CHL. And then thinking one step further than that, when these players come from the CHL and get drafted into the NHL, do you really think that their first NHL professional games, there's going to be a completely different rule change and now you can fight? You, you got to think it's just going to uh, affect the whole whole world of hockey. You know, like there's been so many rumors about uh, the NHL taking away fighting and if the juniors are the first one to do it, I don't think there's any reason why, uh, why the pros wouldn't do it either. Yeah. You hear a lot of these older school old school people always saying like, you know, how come these, these borderline NHL guys like AHL stars can't quite make the NHL. How come these guys aren't adding more to their game? Like fighting you, you like you wonder that, but then you see stuff like this. It, it seems like the last bunch of years, there's just more and more rules coming into place 
to just limit fighting or even now try to take it out of the game. Like, I think there's already in the CHL, like, a limit to, like, five fights in a year for those guys. And, like, you can't have more than one a game. Or, like, I, I think in the BCHL, if you fight, I think you're kicked right out of the game. So, like, like even if it's in the first period. So, yeah, like, in these lower leagues, these junior leagues, it just seems like they're trying to take fighting out of the game. You know, like, even in the, the KIJHL Junior B, they have cages now instead of Pfizer. So that pretty much limits most fighting in that league. Right. So I don't, I don't know. Like I think fighting still has a huge place in the game. In my opinion, I, I, I've said this before. I'm very happy that stage fights are, are out of the game. It, it limits a lot of the anxiety that comes, you know, for the players like that, just knowing that you're going to have to fight like some of the toughest guys in the league and you can't even sleep all night, right? Like, so I think it's good that the stage fights are gone, but I still think there should be more fighting than there is even now. I, I just think it's it's so important. I think so much of hockey is about momentum and, you know, like home ice advantage, like getting the crowd going. Like, there's a reason why, you know, historically home teams win way more than road teams, right? And it's because of the crowd. And especially in the playoffs, it's all about momentum, momentum swings and just trying to limit teams when they have the momentum and then get it back. Right. And I just think fighting is the biggest part of changing the momentum. And like, I think back to the 2009 playoffs, the Pittsburgh Penguins, Penn's legend, Maxime Talbot. I can't remember if it was like game five or six, it was against the Flyers in the first round. And he, the Penguins are getting dominated. It was like three, one Philly and Talbot, fought Dan Carcillo and he, he he didn't even win the fight but just getting the team going and then he hushed the crowd after the fight he hushed the crowd and from that point on the Pens took over the game they came back and they won and I think they knocked the Flyers out of the playoffs that game so that's just one of many examples to what fighting still brings it's it, it's it holds a big place in the game in my opinion I 100% agree with everything you said like it's a huge part of momentum and uh, either building momentum or even losing momentum uh, I, I think it's just a huge part of the game, and uh, obviously every NHL fan loves fighting, uh, or just loves to watch fighting, uh, because it's it's exciting to watch, right? You want to see two heavyweights go fight on fight on skates. But I think the biggest reason for me uh, why fighting needs to stay in the game is because it just ends any bad blood or any uh, like any injuries or anything like that. It just kind of like once there's a fight, it just cuts it off. One example that really sticks out to me is when John Tavares and the Leafs were in the bubble uh, facing against the uh, Montreal Canadiens in the first round there in the in the North Canadian division. When uh, Perry kind of had his, his knee out and he uh, hit Tavares right in the head uh, with, that, with that knee. And whether it was intentional or not, it was just a brutal injury and it was really scary uh, for Tavares. But um, the, I think the, it was either the next whistle or even the next shift. Um, I forget who stepped up from the Leafs. It was probably Wayne Simmons, but uh, he fought uh, Corey Perry, and that was it for the rest of the series. It, they they fought, and it was over. But you see, in in, uh, in junior hockey, with whether it's the WHL or um, the BCHL or even university hockey that I've been watching more lately, this stuff lingers longer. You know, someone gets hurt, someone uh, like gets is a dirty hit hit from behind in the corner, or there's a big open ice hit. 
since these players can't fight anymore, for the rest of the game, they're just throwing cheap shots at the other team or more individually, the other guy who caused this injury, right? So th- there's no way to, the you know, kind of put this bad blood aside and, and move on with the game. It's just, it just lingers throughout the game and, and it takes away um, from what the teams are trying to do. You know, like the good players are getting away from their game and their approach and it, it just really messes with the team. So I think for me, that's the number one reason why hockey uh, has to have fighting in it. Yeah, like I totally agree. I think like I, I don't even care for like fights that, that don't matter. Just like right, kind of fighting for whatever reason. But I, I think that fighting is really important in situations like this, like for momentum changes, for sticking up for your teammates, and for like policing the game. Like if if the refs yeah. aren't gonna do their jobs properly, then the players need to take it into their own hands. So instead of instead of guys running around throwing headshots, you just, just drop the gloves and and you, and you settle it. Like I think back to a couple of years ago, the Tom Wilson incident with Artemi Panarin, where he like rammed his head into the ice without a helmet and like cross checked him in the head, stuff like that. And then he was like in the box taunting him and whatever. But I mean, if if they would just let everything kind of happen that game and just let people settle it on the ice then, then that would have prevented the next game, which was pretty much just a joke of a game where there was like three fights off the opening draw and like the whole game was just a bunch of fights. And as entertaining as that is, it could have all been avoided if Wilson was just suspended. But when the NHL doesn't police the game properly, the players need to do it, right? For sure. So so fighting is very important in, in that sense. Yeah, and I think policing the game from a player's perspective is a really good way to putting it. Like, there's some stuff with that I don't think the refs can control as far as, like, someone getting injured on an open ice hit. Like, they can kick the guy out of the game, but really, at the end of the day, they can't fluctuate uh, the momentum or anything like that. So I, I think that's when the, the fighting comes in, and that's where the players can police the game, uh, kind of just, like, settling it and then just being done with it and moving on, you know? All right, so now moving on to... Uh, the main segment for this week's episode, we're going to be drafting our own teams uh, from the 2015 NHL draft. Uh, how we're going to determine the first overall pick is we're just going to spin this wheel with both of our names on it. Uh, it's probably going to be pretty difficult for the listeners to understand, but uh, we'll just pretty much tell you who got the first pick after we spin this wheel. And then, uh, for example, if Kean gets the first pick, he'll have one and then I'll have two and three. And then from uh, from there on out, we're just going to go back and forth. Uh, so what do you say? Uh, should we just spin the wheel and get this started? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, it was me. Okay, <laughs> I, so you I know got it. I don't know if you can see. All right. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, come on. It's so obvious. 2015, you got to take McDavid. First overall pick, I mean, can't argue that. No, no that's definitely fair. You, you got your center. That's, that's fair. Uh, I, I think with my second and third overall picks, um, you know, early in the episode, we said you got to give McTavid good players to play with. And I think uh, what I got to do is I just got to take the two best wingers right off the board. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take uh, Miko Rantanen and uh, Kirill Kaprizov. Yeah, Those two yeah. guys on on each side, they're going to play uh, heavy and they're going to play skilled and uh, they're going to play fast as well. Uh, they're both really good passers. They're both really creative. Uh, I feel like in real life, they'd actually complement each other's game very well. So, uh, yeah, I, I got those two guys for sure. 
and yeah, if we didn't mention it, this is more based off their career since they were drafted. So their entire NHL career, not just how good they are now. I think the obvious next pick is Mitch Marner. I still got a pretty good winger right there. You could argue he's the best winger from that draft, I think. I don't know. I wouldn't say that. I know you I know I think he's so over overhated. I've said this before. But I I mean I'm happy with that Marner pick and I think I'm gonna go with Thomas Shabbat. Get the number one defenseman next at fifth or fifth overall. No, that's a good pick. I, I like uh, Shabbat too. I, I was looking at that. I think for my next pick, I gotta take a defenseman just because uh, you just took Shabbat there. So um, yeah, I'm gonna take Zach Wierenski. Uh This guy's obviously had a lot of injury troubles in his career, but uh, as far as this kind of game or draft goes, we're kind of just assuming that everyone's healthy and playing at their best capability. Uh, I, I feel like that's only fair. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Wierenski. All right, yeah, he's definitely the sec- second best defenseman, arguably the best. I mean, him and Shabbat are neck and neck. I'm going to go with Kyle Connor for my left winger. It's pretty much between him and Timo Meyer, but I think I think Meyer's better now, but I think Connor was better, you know, his whole career. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Kyle Connor. I would say Connor's still better now. KFC, come on. Eh. Come At on. least Meyer's decent at defense. I mean, Connor, KFC is good. No, he, yeah, he's he one is. of the worst defensive forwards in the league. I don't need to hear it. I don't, want it. I don't need to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's obviously one guy that uh, that is sticking out like a sore thumb, but I know you can't take him because he's a centerman, so I'm not going to take him right now. I might as well just take a, a defenseman or a goalie because I, I know you can't take a center. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to save that guy for later. Um, I think for my next defenseman, uh, this is probably one of my most underrated uh, players in the league. Uh, it's too bad that he's been uh, he's he's missed the whole season, but uh, I would say that as far as favorite defensemen go, this is probably top five, maybe top ten uh, favorite defensemen in the league for me. And uh, this guy from the Calgary Flames, I'm going with uh, Oliver Shillington. I knew that's where you were going once you said missed all the year. I'm a huge fan of this guy. He he plays so good on both sides of the puck. Uh, he lays the body occasionally, and uh, yeah, I think that him and Wierenski would be good back there. Yeah, the Flames are really missing him this year. Oh man, that's a good pick. There's still a couple good defensemen on the board, though. You t- you took both your defensemen though, so I'm I'm gonna go with the best goalie. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna take my starting goalie and Ilya Samsonov. I think I think he's the best option there. I think he's got the most games played and best save percentage. No, that, that's fair. I also had Samsonov as the number one goalie, but uh, I'm going to take my goalie next as well. And I was looking at other guys. Uh, Dan Vladar uh, was one I was looking at. Um, Mackenzie Blackwood was also another guy I was looking at. But I'm actually going to take a guy that was a lot further down in the draft. And I'm going to take uh, Carl Vamelka from the Arizona Coyotes there. Uh, this guy's super underrated. Uh, he's a right-handed catching goalie, but uh, he he makes like 40 stops a night just because like, the Coyotes are so bad. But this guy's really solid. There's been so many times where I bet for uh, I bet the Coyotes to lose, and this guy just bails him out, and, and I just lose my bet. So uh, I, I want this guy on my team this time, so I'm going to take him. Yeah, that's a good pick. He's having a great year this year. Uh, all right, so for my last pick, it's got to be a defenseman. Oh, there's two guys here that are neck and neck for me. I think I'm going to go with the guy having the bit better year this year and Vince Dunn. 
it, it was between Vince Dunn and Noah Hannafin for me, but I think I think Vince Dunn's really breaking out as a good number one D-man this year. You know, he, he's got like 50 points already or something. So, yeah, he's having a great year. Yeah, he's really stepping up. Uh, he had some good success with uh, St. Louis too, but he's really kind of got that number one rule in, in Seattle now. So, uh, yeah, he's having a really good year. But as far as my last pick, uh, this guy I was alluding to earlier, uh, I'm going to take Jack Eichel. Uh, when he's healthy, I, he's definitely a superstar. And, uh, yeah, it's just a matter of him being healthy, but in this role, that doesn't matter. So, uh, yeah, him, Kaprizov, Ranton in on the top end. I, I think, like, 200-foot game, that's insane. They they can each, they can score, they can pass. They're all fast. Uh, they're creative. Uh, this is this is a, a line that would just be just be crazy to watch. And uh, with Renski and Shelton back there, too, uh, there'd be so much offensive production. So, uh, yeah, I, I like my team a lot. Yeah, we'll see how good my team would be defensively between McDavid, Kyle Connor, and Shabbat back there. Not great. Yeah, <laughs> I think I got the top goalie back. So, yeah, we'll we'll see how the how the followers vote. And who do you got on defense again? I got Shabbat and Vince Dunn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that that'd be close. All right, so that's going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, that was a lot of fun, just building your own teams, and uh, it's a little bit more competitive than uh, than what we've done in the past. So uh, it's definitely a lot of fun. And uh, like we said earlier, there's just endless possibilities with this. So uh, if this is something that you guys enjoy or you want to see more of or maybe even a different variation of something like this, uh, just let us know. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with this. We're definitely going to have to do it again. Like whether it's 2003 or honestly you could do any year right like so yeah I, I, i'm happy to do it again and i mentioned the last couple episodes at the end just we have an instagram account at elbows.up.podcast so make sure to give us a follow we're going to be posting these our teams on instagram and then on our story we'll give you guys a poll to vote so you know cast your vote and we'll see who has the best team yeah my team would definitely roll your team but uh, anyways, it's up to everyone else. So uh, yeah. that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, thanks for listening and have a good one.